For the last uh, five years, my family, my family and I have undertaken uh, the an involvement in the operation of an orchard. There's three thousand trees in that orchard, and in taking on that responsibility, there's been times passing through that. I would look and I would see a tree that I know yesterday that tree was fine. It was healthy. It was doing great, but I could tell something's happened. What's wrong with that? And then I, I begin to learn. Uh, some of them, it seemed like in a week they'd be dead. And uh, from those that I'm working with, the spray people, the field men, they all have this same saying. They say, Cherry trees just like to die. And I'm thinking, what do you mean? No reason. You can't tell that there's a problem. They just are prone to die. Get used to it. I don't like that. And uh, there's one block that we call block six. It's out in the back. A few years ago, we took, I think, more than 50 trees out. Because they, had, they were sick or dying. And I, I remember driving down the row there with my uh, foreman, Ramon Pelcastra. And I'd say, what's wrong with that tree? I don't know. What's wrong? Get the chainsaw. I'd already taken the chainsaw to a bunch of trees. And he said, no, wait. That's his favorite word. No, Wait. And he'd get out and he'd look at the tree. He said, let me paint it. What do you mean paint it? It's a tree. It's not a house. Wait, wait. He would get on the gator and run to the shop and get some paint and a brush. And he'd come out and he'd paint it. Oftentimes in the wintertime when the tree is very cold and the sun would come out and hit the bark, he would split the bark. Cause the tree to dry up from the center. And he'd say, let me paint it. So he'd paint it, you know, and we'd go on. i say, go, we'll watch it. We'll watch it for another year. There was a tree the other day we came across. It was split again. Let me paint it. Watch, watch, wait, wait. So he would paint the tree, and we would do different things, you know, to try to nurture it along. And uh, lo and behold, we came across the tree the other day, and he said, look, look. That's his other favorite word. Look. <laughs> The tree, it, we painted it twice. It was broke, it was split, and now look, it has fruit. Okay. All right. I'm reminded of the story. Of course, there's trees in the Bible. Jesus came by one tree. He saw no fruit. It was a fig tree. And for whatever reason, he cursed that fig tree. And the next time they passed by, it was dead. There were other trees in the Bible that it was said, let's wait. Let's dung around it. Let's do some things to fertilize it. Let's try to help it. And let's give it another year. Do you know that the Bible refers to us as trees? Trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Now, we are 
also informed that those trees that the heavenly father has not planted shall be rooted up. And so there's a lot of references in scripture, of course, to trees. I was, uh, again, I was in block six one day. And after cutting down several trees, I came upon a strange sight. It was a tree that looked like there were styrofoam worms growing out of it. All over it. I'm thinking, what could that possibly be? We got to get rid of that. It's going to affect the whole orchard. And I'm, I'm looking at them. I'm taking real close pictures and sending them to my spray man. It looks like styrofoam worms growing out of the tree. He looked at the picture and said, I said, what is it? I don't know. What should I do? I'll just leave it. What? But I did. And I was just thinking as I was sitting here. I can't even recognize where that tree is anymore. When I drive by it, it has healed. It has somehow become restored to its fruitful state. Now, As I was in the prayer room earlier, and we were praying, I've been waiting on the Lord for specific direction for here today. And you know, sometimes the challenge that comes is information you know, things you've heard, things you can see. The challenge becomes not being distracted by those things and truly waiting on and for the word of the Lord, which we know when spoken will prosper whereunto it's been sent. This is what I wait for today here for us. I want to see the manifestation of his hand to do whatsoever he would do here among us. Are there any, anybody here that like to restore old automobiles besides Joel Garcia? He's been telling me for years, I'd like to get into restoring old automobiles. Anybody ever restored an old automobile? Have you ever thought about what? It took to get that automobile in the state that it was when you found it. You know, typically there's metal parts and metal parts exposed to what? Weather events. Rain. Snow. Burning sun. Weather events which cause them to erode over what? Time. And so with the naked eye, you can look and see that old rusty truck in the field. It's probably been out in that field 15, 20, maybe 40 years. Exposed to weather events over time, which causes it to erode. You don't expect it to start. 
You probably don't expect it to drive. You probably don't expect it to function until there's been some work of restoration involved. Now, most people are not willing to do what it takes to restore old situations like this. Maybe you've gone to a flea market or to a yard sale and you saw that. I picked up an old dresser one time at a yard sale. When I hit the thing and I opened the drawers and shut it, you okay? It was so solid, I thought, I can't believe they only want like 150 bucks for this. This is good furniture. But over time, it had eroded on its surfaces. And so I thought, I'm going to make this. I'm going to take this home and I'm going to do this for my wife. And so for a week, with a sander in my hand, the vibrating sander. Do you know what that feels like after a week? Sawdust everywhere and in my nose and in my eyes. And, but I thought, I can do this. I can see this project through. And then it seemed like it was a week of putting finishes on it and sanding it. And so anyway, for a couple of weeks. Now, I don't know if I'll ever take on that kind of a project again. But there, there is something to be said that every time I reach for a pair of socks, From one of those drawers, I get this good feeling. (laughs) I was involved in the restoration process. And now it is used daily. It's not sitting in a garage somewhere collecting dust. It's not been put into a storage unit, which our land is littered with. But it is now functioning in the purpose it was designed for by the builder originally. I was 10 years old. We'd left Washington and went to New Jersey. Mom started taking us to this little church down in Dover. And I'll never forget, it was the first time. I was sitting in a service like this and conviction came into the room. The choir was singing. The pastor had been preaching and I was arrested. So were the other three guys sitting next to me. I was arrested by a spirit of conviction and did not know what to do. There was an elder that stepped up and helped us and encouraged us. And so to an altar, I went to pray. And then it was my vacation Bible school teacher that came and knelt by me and said, Larry, here's what you need to do. And so she kind of coached me on what I should do as I sat there crying, not knowing what to do. I felt so condemned and so guilty, which was positive. It was bringing me out of a state where I had lived uh, and walked for the 10 years of my life. I know that's not a long time. But the only things that I knew and was steering me in the direction that the spirit of God was drawing me. 
And so I went, I prayed, I did as they instructed, and I, I guess I pro- maybe I got spiritual for a while. I don't know how much is really possible at that age. But I think I did what I could do and what I knew to do, which was not very much. Well, something happened. It became popular in New York City, these coffee houses. What that was, was people getting together... You know, they had grown their hair long, got a guitar, and they were playing Jesus music. They called them coffee houses. There were churches all over the land that thought, this is the answer to reaching our young people. And so they opened up their doors. And so on Friday nights at the Nazarene Church of Dover, New Jersey, we had a coffee house. Young people started coming from my school. People were coming by the hordes and, you know, those straight-laced pastor's kids started growing their hair down in their wings and got themselves some guitars. Only one problem. People started doing dope behind the church. Yeah. You know, they'd go in the sanctuary and they'd give up one of these, you know, Jesus loves us all. Kind of stuff. And then he'd go out back and smoke some hash. Some of them would pass out. They'd call ambulances and all the guys. We started carrying knives. Switchblades. We were identifying with the stuff that they were feeding us. Okay. And so that led, I was, I don't know, I was probably 12 or 13 then, but one of the guys came along and asked me if I'd want to come to their band practice. So I did. I could sing a little bit, play a rhythm guitar. They asked me to be in their band. Pretty soon we were singing Alice Cooper, Jethro Tull, Black Sabbath. You know, not at the church, in the garage. Got involved in going to some dances and things like this, and I stopped going to the church. I was living a different life. And whatever it was that God had planned for me, starting there when I was 10, quickly dissipated in my life. And for a year... Well, maybe two, three, four, five. No, it was 12. For 12 years, I wasn't interested in God. There were times in my experience, the Lord would come and visit me. I could be outside. I could be in my home late at night. And I would feel this impression from God. One time it was literally a voice. Larry, I love you. Trying to woo me back. Trying to restore and bring me back into right relationship and position with him so that he could continue on in my life. All those things that he had purposed that had now been put on the shelf in the storage unit back in a garage. And had no place in my life. 
I'll never forget the night I walked down my dad's driveway and I was heading out to the street. We hung out, walked up and down the street, smoking cigarettes. We were just young kids. And I remember this coming to me that night, walking right at the end of his driveway. Larry, I love you. And I literally turned and said, no, I'm not ready for that. And pushed, literally pushed God out of my experience, out of my life. Thank God. Those times when you know something stepped in when the car was going off the road. Those times when, oh, I don't want to go there. It's just, you know, the extremes that a person will go to, especially under the influence of alcohol. With the help of the adversary. Yeah, go ahead. Do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hit the accelerator. Go, 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 go. I don't know what happened to me one night when I was 17. I was driving to the house out at the farm. And when I hit that gravel road, I just stepped on the gas pedal. With this feeling, I'm going to go until I wreck. And, uh, but you know, you get that first corner, that second corner, up over the bridge and around that next corner. And the truck spun out. Stayed on the road. Didn't go in the ditch. And I think to myself, uh, number one, I don't know what would drive me to that except... The adversary. But God would somehow step in and wait. Wait. Maybe that's where Ramon got that word. I don't know. Wait. You know, the enemy is saying, take him out. Take him out now. Come on. This is the time. This is your chance. We've got him convicted. No, wait. Because somewhere ahead, God sees an intersection. Things are going to come back together. And in his timing and in his purpose, oh sure, he'll look back and he can use that whole path and that road that I took somehow for his glory. And it would come at 22 years of age when God, when, when the spirit of restoration visited me. And he came into my truck one more time and said, Larry, I love you. And I finally stopped resisting and responded to his draw. It would only be a matter of about two months. I would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, be baptized in Jesus name for the remission of my sins and start once again on that path. Now, I never forgot the feeling. Martin standing in the altar, having received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, thinking, I feel like I've come home. The, a restoration is a homecoming. Not just back into the fellowship of believers or into the body of Christ, uh, the family of God, but back into right relationship with Him. Now it's interesting the things that happen to an individual like that. There was somebody else that I observed one night had walked into the church. I, I didn't know who she was. And she came in and when it was time to open, you know, the altar and she went to pray. And when she began to pray, we were just all praying. And, and I watched as the pastor went over and laid hands on her head. <laughs> 
And she erupted. Like a roaring lion, she erupted. And all of a sudden, everybody's praying and, you know. And we watched over time as she received a deliverance. And then I watched the wisdom of my pastor's wife walk over. I mean, we're all scared to death of her. She walks over and lays her. Can I do this to you? Lays his, her hand on his head. Begins to stroke her tenderly and pray with her. And in a few minutes, she raised her hands and began to receive the Holy Ghost and dance before the Lord. Now, I got to tell you. She was a mess. I mean, when she walked in, she looked like the cartoon mess. Charlie Brown, the guy Scruffy, walks around with a dust cloud. I don't know who that is. I just have that memory. I don't think there was ever a face, was there? It was just like a dust cloud. Some people come to God that way. And what's interesting is, over a little bit of time, the holiness that is now abiding within begins to manifest itself outwardly. How do you know? They start combing their hair, brushing their teeth. Some of them go home and clean the kitchen. I've been in situations that you could tell what was going on spiritually by what you saw in their living space. And when you see people really respond to God, there is a restoring process. That comes into their life that affects them in everything that they do. They might even vacuum the car out. But they begin to address things in their life. They see it differently before they're blinded to it. What do you mean? They're like the one beholding his natural face in a glass and saying, What are you talking about? What's wrong? I don't see nothing. That's the one that hears the word. Doesn't do it. Let the word of God impact us today in the areas of our life where He is much aware of. I, I, I so appreciate Brother Flowers teaching uh, Wednesday night. Was it this Wednesday night? When he began to talk about the times when there was so much noise in his life, he. He was comfortable in the noise, but he, was, he also admitted he knew God was wanting to get it quiet so he could talk to him. And he just said, I, yeah, I'm busy. I'm doing stuff. I'm doing stuff. And sometimes that's the way we live our lives because we detect. Hmm? I think I felt a little conviction moving towards my way. I don't want those things addressed in my life. Don't talk to me about that. It's time to get along with him. There's a couple of scriptures that I would like to read to you. Three in particular. Revelations. Chapter one. No, chapter two. Revelation chapter two. If we could put that on the screen. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. 
It's your leading. It's your mighty hand. It's your spirit that doeth the work here today, Father. We stand yielded to you, waiting upon you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we trust you. We believe you. We know your way is right. We know your way is best. I want to see with clarity. I want to hear, Father, your voice. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works. You may have everybody else fooled. But I see through the dialogue of your conversation. I know you want to control the narrative. So that you can try to control the perception of others. I know your works. Thy labor and thy patience and how... Thou canst not bear them which are evil and how thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not. And hast found them liars and hast borne and has patience for my namesake, hast labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, wait, wait a minute. Did you have to go there? Uh, you know, look, this is great. You got, you're doing well here. I, I, you know, this is good. I appreciate this. This is wonderful. About your situation, your life. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast lost. What, what, what? You mean like something has eroded? Thou hast lost thy first love. Can you look back? Can you remember? Do you remember the zeal? Do you remember the power of witness that was upon you as a new believer in the kingdom of God? And there is an expression from God to the church. Thou hast lost thy first love. Chapter 5 or verse 5. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen. Wait a minute. You just told me how good this was and how well this was and, and this other situation. And look at all these things that have transpired in my life that you're referring to as positive and good. And now you're telling me that there's areas in my life that I have fallen. I've lost something. Remember where. For, therefore, what, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly. And take that tree out. And remove the candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, you remember the Holy Ghost was outpoured and they began to speak with other tongues and it was noised abroad. And because it was a feast in Jerusalem, all those that came and found where they were and wanted to know what is this? What, what is going on? The unction of the Lord comes upon the apostle Peter as he stands up and begins to communicate and say, 
This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I probably got that backward. But there's going to be a lot of things happen. But here's what he communicates in the scriptures of uh, scriptures of the book of Joel in the second chapter. He makes a description in the first chapter of an erosion over time. But he refers to them as that which the canker worm hath eaten and left the palmer worm has eaten. Now, I don't have all the worms rec- uh, memorized here, but the descriptive is an eroding process. And he says, over time, because you've left me, this is going to erode. This worm is going to attack you and eat there's areas in your life. And that which is left, there's another worm that's coming. And it's going to begin to attack the areas, the other areas of your life. And then there's coming another. And he describes this process and tells them what has happened to them over time. Too oftentimes, people don't even realize of the things that have eroded. The things that are no longer there. That's when we start making excuses. But here's where, here's where it leads to. It's when God talks about his visitation to them as a nation of people. And the fact that he says, I will restore unto you. And then he goes down that whole grocery list of all those worms. And all the things that had been eroded over time, he says, I'm going to restore this unto you. He is a restorer of the breach. It is in his makeup to restore. I believe there's greater desire to restore than there is to destroy. But again, wait, wait. But wait, wait, look, wait. And he's waiting. And he's watching. And for some, the time is much longer than others. But he who is not willing that any would perish, but all come to repentance, because then he can restore, he waits. Now, you know, sometime in our humanity, this causes us to reflect back to the prodigal child. You know, kid run, kid goes away, everything becomes eroded, he loses everything, and then he comes back to the father's house and there's great restoration. Praise God. And that's beautiful. But there's times when our first love the zeal of the Lord of hosts becomes somewhere distant in our current situation. Oh, we're we're still there. We're holding on. Waiting on the Lord. 
not realizing or acknowledging the things that are no longer actively present by a work of his spirit operative in our lives on a daily basis. Where is the spirit of healing? Where is the spirit of restoration? Where's the spirit of reconciliation that he has given to you? I've given to you the word of reconciliation. That means we should be able to enter a conversation and only speak but a few words. And the individual, the hearer says, I don't know what it is. There's there's something that was said and it's just, it's working in my mind and there's something going on. I don't know what to do about it. It's the spirit of reconciliation that's been given to us. Coupled with the word of reconciliation. That's Bible. Let's pray. Let this word today. Let this living word prevail today in our hearts. Let there be the drawing father of your spirit. As we wait upon you Jesus. As we acknowledge your presence, Lord. In the name of Jesus. There's something so powerful. About his presence. I don't know why, but I'm I'm reflecting back again on that space of time we were so young having gone to an altar and prayed and then my mother sent us to a camp a bible camp up in New York State well we played hard we climbed mountains we shot bow and arrows we did everything we canoed we ran we we were exhausted by night and they'd have these services I remember one time I mean, I didn't remember until I woke up that I was out. I'd already gone. And the service was over. And they were opening the altar for people to come and pray. And I, this is how it happened. All of a sudden, I was arrested by conviction. I wasn't even hearing. I was just there. I was exhausted. I had no resistance. I got up. Like just the crowd, you know. To the altar. I began to pray and sob over stuff I didn't even know about. Because it was genuine and real. His presence drawing. Drawing. Come, son. Come on. I love you, Larry. You could insert your name there today. Because that's what I feel the expression of the Holy Ghost. I love you. I love you. I want to help you. I want to restore the things that you've lost. But you've got to participate. You've got to come into agreement with my purpose and will. You've got to become responsive.
was King David. You know, God's choice. He had connected with the plan of God. He was responsive and God had anointed him and made him a great king. And he made a couple of bad decisions. He made some bad choices. And it led him down a road. You know, the Bible speaks of how he had a heart after God. and All these descriptive things that God liked so much about David. And here David, because of a couple decisions, found himself miles away from that anointing. He had left and stepped away from the presence of God. It wasn't till Nathan came and told him a story about a lamb were unstopped then he became open again to that which God desired in him and as he began to appeal to God wash away my iniquities create in me a clean heart oh God renew a right spirit in me listen to this he said restore unto me the joy of my salvation a restorer of the breach. Come on, he's here to restore any situation. You might consider it little. You might consider it large. But he's been waiting. He's been watching.
you stand hand raised right now? Yield to the Holy Ghost. 
the spirit of travail prevail right now come on in this house be a yielded vessel unto him. come on do a spiritual work in the name of Jesus We're standing against that which is resisting against you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Let there be a travailing. Let there be a prevailing in the name of Jesus. Spirit of restoration, prevail in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is trying to break through a resistance that's been resisting you. Come on, let him push. Let him push through. Let him prevail. Come on, this is bearing one another's burden. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, it's a work of restoration. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. It, it may be. It may be. That if not here and now. Before you arrive home. A spirit of restoration will come upon you. You'll know when it arrives. Yield. Yield to the Holy Ghost. All right. It may not be here. It may not be now. Very possibly. Before you make it home. You will find that place of yielding. And an agreement with God. And a spirit of restoration will come upon you. Let's pray. Father we're thankful. For the ministry of your word and spirit. In this house today. Through song. Through praise. Through worship. Through word and through prayer. We're thankful for your desire and the element of that part of you that desires to restore, to reestablish the long suffering of God that waiteth for man, not willing that any would perish, but every one of us coming into a place of repentance towards you, always turning back towards you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Praise God. Please turn. And greet somebody before you walk out today.